thinking of starting a podcast? Well, try Anchor. It's free, easy to use, and its creation tools allow you to record and edit directly from your phone or computer. It'll even take care of distribution for you with a single tap so you can be heard on platforms such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. Also, Anchor is the only place you can publish video podcasts directly to Spotify. Man, you can even make money using Anchor in a couple of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. It's truly everything you need in one place to make a podcast. So make sure to go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Again, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Welcome to another edition of the It's Cavalier podcast. As always, it's your boy Mac. And today we're going to talk a little bit of Cavs wine and gold scrimmage. Man, it was nice to see somewhat organized basketball, you know, in Cleveland. So there was a lot of takeaways from this one. And that's what we're here to cover today, right? So right off the bat, you know, a couple of things stuck, you know, it just, it was so refreshing to see Cleveland as a whole, not just, you know, the younger players in summer league, but Cleveland as a whole as a team really out there performing, regardless if it was against one another or not. It was still very, very uh, interesting to see the fits on the court. And we saw a lot of that. I mean, uh, but before we get into that, let's just talk a little bit of takeaways, you know. So one of the biggest things that I was able to take away from that scrimmage was Evan Mobley's lateral quickness. Now, we know that, you know, he was highly touted defensively coming out of USC. We saw hints of, you know, the defensive pliability and switchability of Mobley, especially in summer league um, when he was out there um, facing up and defending against guys like Jalen Green, you know, out on the perimeter. We saw that. We saw him being able to be a defensive force inside and in the paint and whatnot. And so this scrimmage was no different. We saw him on numerous occasions challenge shots at the rim, whether it be against Colin Sexton, Laurie Markkinen, or others. We saw him not be afraid to go up there and oppose those shots. I want to say that Mobley had like four blocks on the day, which we know this is a a scrimmage setting, so not everybody is taking it, you know, 100%, really nobody, I guess. Nobody's going 100% at one another because it's just a scrimmage, and it's an intra-team scrimmage as well so you're not going to see guys going all out defensively and playing at their absolute highest potential but it was encouraging to see nonetheless uh, Mobley challenge a guy like Sexton at the rim considering just how great of a finisher Sexton is make no mistake Sexton is not like prime Kyrie Irving uh, out there being able to finish really at any direction, but he is a damn good finisher in his own right. So it was very, very encouraging to see that. And so that just makes me believe that, uh, you know, he's really going to be impactful from day one on the defensive side of the ball. We know the offense is going to be a little bit of a work in progress, especially with him having to put a little bit more weight on to throw around out there. I think he was listed at just 215 pounds, uh, the last time we checked, but that could have changed by now. He could have put on a little bit more weight and his frame, you know, he's probably going to have a little bit of trouble keeping weight on. And I know he said as much, um, in recent days, but 
I really just loved what I saw out of the kid, especially on the defensive end of the court. Another takeaway that I saw, and again, it goes with the same caveat that, you know, this is just a scrimmage. But Lori Markinen's like ability to space the floor, like, wow. I want to say that Markinen made four or five triples yesterday, uh, too. And they were some of them were wide open. He was left wide open. But when you're a big man of his size, you probably should be able to shoot over just about anybody. And so his stroke, man, it looks is smooth. I want to say that uh, marketing completed 40.2% of his three-point attempts last season, and I think that's good for, and I have it on my stat sheet here, 119 made triples last year. That's big time, especially for a Cleveland Cavaliers team that finished bottom of the league in three-point percentage, and I think three-point attempts as well, somewhere down there. But it is highly encouraging and really Along with that takeaway, I think his ability to space the floor is going to go a long way in determining how he begins the season, whether that be as a starter or on the bench. Now, I am of the mindset at this point that you got to go ahead and start Mobley right away. That's just how I feel. That's my personal preference. But there's certainly a great case to be made for marking and starting the year out in that four spot, especially with his ability to space the floor. You know that Colin Sexton and Darius Garland are going to be improved, hopefully, on uh, you know in that category. We know that Sexton's percentages have dipped over the last two seasons, but that has coincided with more attempts. Uh, as well. And Darius Garland, you know, he's, he should only progress in the area. We, what we don't know really, and who is the wild card right now is Isaac Okoro. Now he had that hot stretch in the month of May where he was able to t- take over really a full time at the two and put up respectable numbers, you know, 16 and a half points and whatnot. But his three point percentage didn't really swing upwards. Now, with increased opportunities, with the floor being opened up a little bit more, Okoro just may surprise you with his three-point percentage this year, and I think he does. I think that Isaac Okoro is going to finish up there in the uh, among the top votes in regards to most improved player. I know a lot of people out there are predicting that Darius Garland will win that award or at least will finish in the top three for it. And you can't be wrong for saying that because I really do believe that Darius Garland will have a very, very good season this year. Uh, But with that being said, I also believe that Isaac Okoro, you know, if he's his his wild card here is the three point three point percentage. Right. But I do also believe that we can expect a big year to jump from the young man as he's been able to kind of alleviate some of that defensive stress that he that he faced at much you know many times last season having to defend the team's the opposing team's best perimeter player now that part probably won't change but adding a defender like Mobley in the uh in the front court and having another year of Allen you know getting a little bit more comfortable in his role that's big time but circling back to the takeaway, I really think that uh, Laurie Markin and his ability to space the floor is going to force a tough decision for J.B. Bickerstaff, at least to begin the season in regards to, you know, what the rotation is going to look like. Is he going to start? Is he going to come off the bench? Same questions are going to have to be asked about uh, Evan Mobley. 
So we'll see how those two kind of, you know, flip-flop here. The next big thing that I really <laughs> that I really noticed there was Ricky Rubio's ability to kind of move the floor. And we know going into year 11 for Ricky, uh, kind of what to expect out of him. He's a very underrated defender uh, at point guard. And we know that his propensity to move the ball and assist and play make is really going to, you know, pay off for a team that is just starving for a true backup point guard. Cleveland really just kind of scraped by last year with a mix and match pieces. You know, you had uh, Damian Dotson at one stretch maining the backup point guard spot. You had Jetty Oseman uh, playing some backup point guard minutes. You, you just, and you had Matthew Delvadova and, and a few others, but it just really, we never really truly had a real uh, floor general coming off the bench. And Ricky Rubio checks that box and so many others in that regard. And so just to see the ball movement from that scrimmage was very, very encouraging. You saw swing passes uh, around the court, a couple of them that uh, Markkinen was able to capitalize on, uh, tying back to that point. But Rubio, honestly, I believe that Rubio is going to end up playing something like 24 to 28 minutes a game. And I think it's, it's going to be highly needed. Um, you're going to have to have him out there in different sets and different rotations uh, so that he is able to find open shooters. And I know the big thing, the big gripe with this team right now is that they can't shoot. I think that changes this year. I think the numbers were heavily skewed due to injury last year, right? I mean, they got to be. So many guys missed uh, missed time at so many different points last year. Kevin Love, Darius Garland, Colin Sexton. Some of the team's, you know, Larry Nance, some of the team's biggest and best three-point shooters missed a ton of games last year and just couldn't all, you know, come together, couldn't all coalesce. So I think you're really going to be surprised this year in regards to what the team is able to do from the three-point line. And I think Ricky Rubio is going to play a big time part in that, not necessarily because he has the ability to hit the three, but because of his ability to find the shooters. And so I look for him to play anywhere between 24 to 28 minutes a game on a nightly basis. And I know I keep saying that the whole caveat of the of the scrimmage does play a part in this, but just seeing the way that the ball moved around, it just had electricity to it. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm just hyped up just because I got to see the Cavs on the court again, albeit in a scrimmage. But I really, really loved what I saw in that capacity. So I look for Rubio to be a key piece off the bench, as we already knew. You know, we knew that was going to happen. We know that he could potentially start some games this year. You know, if injury continue injuries continue to be a problem for the Cavs, which they probably will be at some point, but you just never know. So I, I really just, you know, I look for him to really have a huge impact on the court, you know, and in the locker room as a veteran voice. Speaking of veteran voices, um, don't want to have an overreaction here, but it was nice to see Kevin Love take and make a few shots, both from uh, inside and out. And I don't know, you know, if he's in shape or or not, but it was still good to see him out there. So as a veteran presence, we know that I think he's the longest tenured Cavalier at this point, and he is an NBA champion. So that much is clear. What is unclear is just how much Kevin Love has and will buy into his new role off the bench. And, you know, if 
what he said at Cavs Media Day was any indication. I truly believe that he can still be an uh, impactful piece off the bench. So with that being said, you know, what is that going to look like? Could it be like something like 10 to 12, maybe 10 to 15 minutes a night off the bench, depending upon how well Love is playing? Certainly. Um, You know, I think we've heard both Justin Rowan and Carter Rodriguez of the Chase Down Pod, you know, echo this sentiment of on numerous occasions. And that is that love will, you know, end up having some sort of role. And as long as love is, you know, if he's if you're having a hot game out there, it doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to eat into, you know, the younger guys minutes like uh, Evan Mobley, for instance. But I see no reason why you can't continue to play love out there if he's hot. And I think that's just kind of how it is, especially as a veteran. You gotta, you're gotta, you going to give him the opportunities to prove himself. If he's having a good game, why not keep him out there? Doesn't You don't have to rush Evan Mobley into anything, especially when you have somebody like Love uh, and somebody like Markinen that could easily go out there and give you, you know, what you need, at least on the offensive side of the ball. So... Just just watching Kevin Love move out there, um, watching some of the passing, some of the, you know, some of the shooting, it was it was it was encouraging. And I know, you know, we have these we've had these same thoughts the last couple of off seasons going into it, but I, I think something's different here. I think Kevin's finally understanding that this is truly his last opportunity to um, showcase himself, whether that be to this team or to others. Somebody, you know, really everybody's watching in that capacity on whether or not he can be added, because in the event that he is bought out, in the event that uh, the Cavs are able to work out an agreement with him in that capacity, he could latch on with contender just like that. You, You just don't know who's watching. And so it's important for him to understand. And I think that he finally has that. He can, you know, serve in a uh, in a reserve role and be quite impactful at it. So we'll have to see. And again, just a scrimmage, but it was highly encouraging to see uh, to see. And so another takeaway for me was, you know, speaking about bigs out here is, you know, keeping the line of thought is the big to big passing. Man, just it was a couple of possessions out there where I saw Kevin Love. Uh, find Jared Allen in the post for a layup. And while nobody's playing at full force, man, it, it was really nice. The vision, you know, we know that love, what he can do with outlet passes and whatnot, uh, looking like Wes Unsettled out there. But he's a really underrated pass, uh, passer in that regard. And if Jared Allen is able to finish and up, up his percentages from inside there, and uh, we know that's a uh, uh part of his game that he really needs to work on in regards to uh, finishing inside far too often last season you know we saw that that was the case especially with rebounding too but in regards to the the passing that we've seen between the bigs in that scrimmage that was highly highly encouraging and Evan Mobley only adds to that that guy you know he is going to end up averaging somewhere like four and a half maybe five cat type of numbers you know carl anthony towns type of numbers at his position which is great you know what Darius garland can do you know what colin sexton's improving we know what rubio brings but to have another big out there that can facilitate and be kind of like a tertiary playmaker that's awesome so um the the big to big passing could be a big part of the offense 
this this incoming season. So we'll have to see what JB Bickerstaff and uh, you know and company really decide to do in regards to some of the sets that they use. But I really really liked what I saw out of the uh, the bigs from Cleveland. So. I mean, with that being said, I'll go ahead and go to my last takeaway, and that is Lamar Stevens' mid-range game. There's something there. You know, we knew last season that he has started to establish himself in that regard. We know that he doesn't have a reliable three-point game. We do know that he's an above-average defender, and I think that given the opportunity, he really can vie for um, for high minutes off the bench, you know, backing up primarily Isaac Okoro. But I like the ability that he has, you know, from the pull-up game and whatnot from the mid-range just because if you're not going to be able to hit the three ball, you got to add some type of weapon on offense. Defense is not going to earn you minutes uh, for this Cavs team just because there's so many different mouths to feed. Um, So for him, his way to stand out, if it's that mid-range game, I'm digging it. I I can – I can definitely see him earning some some big time minutes if he's able to capitalize off of that. So that's that's really a a good thing for him, and I think that it can be really good for the Cavs uh, second unit if he's able to find those uh, find those looks early and often in his time out there. Am I saying that he's going to turn into Demar Derozan? Uh, you know, overnight or something like that. No, but I definitely think that he can capitalize on that portion of his game, which by all intents and purposes, he seems to, you know, really feel comfortable doing that. He's shown a comfortability from the mid range that he just doesn't showcase at all from beyond the arc. And, you know, I guess that that's, that's kind of the case when you're talking about, um, you know, young players, they got to find their, their groove. They got to find what, what they can do best in the league because not in college anymore you got to find what works in the pros and so once you found that skill set you got to continue to hone it and so for Lamar Stevens I just you know I loved what I saw out there Um, nobody's going full speed out there so you know some of those attempts are probably going to continue to not be as open as they were previously but I did like what I saw uh, from from Stevens in that regard from this wine and gold scrimmage um, I lied. Uh, you know, I got one more takeaway at least. The ball movement is going to be fun to watch this season. The Cavs in general are just going to be fun. There should be a lot of alley-oops. There should be a lot of lob uh, attempts here between Garland, Okoro. And we saw that in one, at least one specific play. They're, the guys just having fun out there, looking like they're, uh, they're enjoying playing with their new teammates and whatnot. But this is going to be a fun team to watch. The ball movement potential for these Cavs is is so high, it's not even funny. And for people, if you're not really excited about the direction that this team is going, I just don't know what you know what you're doing. Like, <laughs> I don't get it. Um, you know, to each his own. But I truly, honestly believe that this team's ceiling is a lot higher than many people are envisioning it. I really think that they can vie for a low seed in the playoffs um, if things come together and if people stay healthy and whatnot. But there's 
there's just so much potential here. I don't, I can't look at this team and not be excited for the direction that they're heading in because the collection of talent here, the uh, the coaching staff, the organization, I think it's finally trending in the right direction. I think this season we are going to see that pay off. Uh, with that being said, I'm going to go ahead and close out today's episode. And as always, like I tell you, if you want to reach out to me, you can do so on at it's Cavalier underscore pot on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, you name it. You know, I am very responsive in that regard. I'd love to hear your thoughts on what you thought about the wine and gold game. And we're just getting started. Coverage continues each week in regards to the Cavs. If you are not a subscriber, make sure to click that subscribe button on the bottom of the page and have a good one.